the big news nationally was uh, last night that uh, the former National Security Advisor, former Secretary of State under Richard Nixon and uh, Gerald Ford passed away. 100 years old Henry Kissinger is uh, the individual that uh, many of you have followed the life of. Because I don't know if I want to say legacy. I don't know how to uh, accurately describe uh, the life that Henry Kissinger had and what that impact around the globe left behind. Uh, but I know a person who can. He's a friend of ours. His name is Jason Matthews, political science instructor out of Bismarck City College and an instructor at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. Jason, how are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing well. I uh, don't even know where to begin because I, I tell you, last night when the, the news broke, if you looked at one publication versus another, a comment from a, a politician versus a bureaucrat, you were getting mixed reviews on the life of Henry Kissinger. The most glaring, I think, was the headline for the Rolling Stones. If you hadn't had a chance to read it, uh, pretty damning stuff. But I'm curious, try to summarize this for all of us, if you can. Oh, how do you summarize a man who is an absolute giant uh, in American foreign policy and in American politics? Uh, to say that he was consequential is an understatement. Uh, to say that we're going to be talking about Henry Kissinger or people will be talking about him 100 years from now um, is is spot on. I mean, he, he leaves a legacy that is a debate without end. Um, Kissinger is one of the most consequential statesmen of the 20th century. The irony is, is that I think you'd be hard pressed um, to call him a great secretary of state because Kissinger was a great statesman, but that didn't make him the greatest secretary of state in American history. And therein lies the contradictions and the, the, um, the turmoil and the tortured legacy of him. Well, when you look at, hey, he's probably going to get, uh, you know, the positives of, hey, we open up relations with China. Uh, Detente with uh, Russia during the Cold War. You have those, but then, well, and the Nobel Peace Prize. But then people are, and I think justifiably so, saying, well, look, his actions also led to this, 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 including the deaths of, some will say, millions of people, Jason. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it, it's, we always want black and white in this, and I think reading one headline to the next, they try to use that. My sense is there's a lot of gray in this legacy of his. Oh, multiple, multiple shades of gray, hundreds of shades of gray with this man. I think that in order to understand Kissinger, and I tell everybody this, um, one of the best political biographies um, I've ever read, I, I read earlier this year, as a matter of fact, as somebody who's followed Kissinger, but I figured that it was his 100th birthday this, uh, this spring. I thought now was as good a time as any to read it. It's by Walter Isaacson, who, of course, is known by uh, primarily his book on his definitive biography, on Steve Jobs. But what jumps out in, in studying the life of Kissinger and someone who has done that over many years is there are three things that I think you have to understand about Kissinger. It is that he was an immigrant. He came into the United States at the age of 15. He was a brilliant young student in Germany. He was scarred by anti-Semitism. Uh, when Hitler came to power, uh, he and his brother had to walk on the other side of the street to avoid being beaten by the other boys. His family got out. Much of his family did not, and they ended up in the gas chambers. Uh, and when he came to the United States at the age of 15, he talked about how he it was he was struck living in New York. They didn't have to walk to the other side of the street. And he fell in love with baseball. 
And what was very interesting was he brought his parents to baseball games and he would talk about how you would hear every language being spoken at, at Yankee Stadium because it was the immigrant kids telling their parents in their native tongue what was going on, explaining the game. And he curried favor constantly. He was constantly looking for mentors. He was a collector of mentors. And if you really want to understand how he mastered politics, it's in World War II. He, he started as a private, moved up the ranks quickly, and here he was in his early 20s, uh, and he was already made the commandant of an occupied territory in Germany, and he was charged with denazification. And he didn't use, even though he had absolute authority, he didn't use the powers of arrest. In fact, he took many of these Germans who had been members of the Nazi party, and he moved them into positions of authority because they were Nazis by virtue of the fact that that's what you had to do in the 1930s in order to exercise power in Germany. They didn't believe in the Nazism. They were bureaucrats that became Nazis. And he looked at it from the standpoint of, they know exactly how to make the trains run on time. Um, so there you, you see that first indication of perhaps Kissinger is amoral or immoral in, in how he looked at the world. The second thing is very simply, uh, it was it was real politics. It was, it was balance of powers. Uh, and that's what you have to see with Kissinger. He saw the world as balances and counterbalances. Everything was about, everything could be negotiated, pragmatism, maintaining this balance between great powers, which sets him up in conflict with both the, the liberals and conservatives at that time, because the one thing that always was missing in, in Kissinger's worldview was that fuel for American exceptionalism, that fuel for the morality in foreign policy. And again, morality in foreign policy is in the eye of the beholder, but you never heard that. So it's not, it's it's noteworthy that it's not an accident of history that Kissinger leaves a stage in 1977, Jimmy Carter comes on and reasserts human rights as a centerpiece of American foreign policy. Maybe it's because of the time right now and the other uh, international politics and global conflicts as I'm watching people here react to it, you know, I mean, what's going on in Gaza, for example, you you have either you are pro-Palestinian or you are pro-Israeli. There is no understanding that there's nuances here, that gray area. I'm seeing that right now, reflecting back on Henry Kissinger. Has it always been that way? I mean, even in real time with, with Nixon and Ford, was he as, that, was he as uh, controversial, I guess, as a, yeah. a figure at that time as well? He's always been a lightning rod okay. uh, throughout throughout his career. Uh, the 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 we we have to understand about Kissinger was going back to that immigrant mindset of of curing favor for acceptance and being that collector of mentors. He advised both Democrats and Republicans. In 1968, he had hitched his wagon to Nelson Rockefeller's run for the Republican nomination. He blasted Nixon. Uh, did so publicly, but he blasted Nixon privately in the memos that he wrote on foreign policy to Rockefeller. Then he advised Hubert Humphrey, who was Nixon's Democratic rival. In fact, there's every reason to believe that had Humphrey defeated Nixon in 1968, Kissinger would have ended up in the administration of Hubert Humphrey. Uh, so political expedientism, uh, you know, uh, being politically expedient comes into play there. But this relationship between Nixon and Kissinger is one of the most fascinating political marriages uh, in modern history. These were two brilliant, fundamentally flawed and deeply paranoid master politicians. 
And both of them played to each other's darkest impulses. But yet at the same time, look at what they were able to achieve with China, the opening of China, which was again, the Kissinger worldview that you have to engage with China in order to counterbalance Russia. Uh, the Soviet Union and China had had a break in the 1950s, engaging with China forced the Soviets hand. Uh, and then looking at, at the way in which he was a master he was the was the architect of shuttle diplomacy and the way he managed the foreign policy in the Middle East, where he was shuttling between capitals in the Yom Kippur War and having a, an American Jew that uh, had very close relations with Hafez al-Assad, the president of Syria, and it was Anwar Sadat, the president of Egypt, that he he won over. Jason Matthews, our guest, political science instructor, Bismarck State College. Uh, you know, the one thing I want to bring this home with before we get a weather update and uh, I'll let you get back on with your day is you, you mentioned that his impact's going to be felt for the next hundred years. Elaborate <laughs> on that. I mean, the, of course, you have interventions in foreign policy. Some we decided, some I, I think were brought to our doorstep. What do you mean by that? What's well, the Kissinger legacy of the hundred years that we're going to be feeling? Well, I don't think that his impacts can be felt for a hundred okay. years. I think that it's his legacy okay. that's going to be created for the next for the next one hundred years, uh, because at the end of the day, there is a tension in foreign policy between the belief in American exceptionalism and that America has a a special place in the world and moral authority that that it cannot squander, versus the real politic impulse of Henry Kissinger, which is. Uh, balances and counterbalances and pragmatism, ensuring that no one great power becomes more powerful than the other. He, however, uh, has been, I mean, he wrote a book just earlier this year that came out on, on artificial intelligence. I don't know many 100-year-old, 99 and 100-year-old people that are interested in artificial intelligence. He has been, he talked about the rise of China. Uh, his date, his, his opening to China which he engineered with Richard Nixon, was all about gradually bringing that country into the world order and talking about how the United States needs to gingerly manage its relationship with China. Uh, this is a guy who was, who was exceptionally farsighted. He was brilliant. Um, you can't have a very level-headed conversation about Kissinger because of Cambodia and because of detente and, and morality, but you have to give it credit where credit is due that Henry Kissinger uh, has a legacy that that looms large uh, and has uh, flashes of brilliance and light and also a lot of darkness. Well, well, last night, as I said before, I let you go here. When everyone that I follow that is uh, you know a commentator or a, a political observer, either celebrating his passing or putting out praise for what he had accomplished, I had to get to the bottom of it. Is there anything else before I let you go? You can you can be both. Yeah. I, you know, we, we live in a bloody-minded time where we have to be a one side or the other. You can look at somebody like Henry Kissinger. You can look at the man, and you can see the brilliance and the darkness, and you can accept him for who he is. And you can debate his greatness on on many aspects, and his and where he where he failed, and where he you know particularly in the third world and in Africa, the coddling of dictators, the destabilization of Cambodia. That's all part of his legacy and you can appreciate the man's skills and you can be appalled by his actions. Uh, it's okay to be conflicted about Henry Kissinger. There's a lot to be conflicted about. 
Jason, I always appreciate the history lesson, my friend. We'll chat again soon. All right, you take care. Have a happy holidays if I don't talk to you before then. Oh, we'll talk before then. Oh, I have no doubt. Take care. Yeah, there's a lot. You do as well. I was going to have a joke there, but we won't. I'll save it for next time. Jason Matthews, our friend, political science instructor out at Bismarck City College, Osher Lifelong Learning Institute.